Welcome to Beyond Synth. Please note, Beyond Synth is an explicit program and may contain inappropriate language. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Hey there, welcome to the show. My name is Andy Last, and this is Beyond Synth, episode 159, is that correct? Anyway, today we're doing a chiptune show. So I know I've been talking about this for a while. I think it was a few months ago I was getting people's chiptune recommendations. So the thing is this, I like chiptune music, and I know I think even in the banner of the Beyond Synth, um, the the banner, the... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the thing at the top of the webpage. You know, it's though some of the... Oh, my God. Okay, start again. All right. Hi, I'm Andy Last. Welcome to Beyond Synth. This is the Chiptune episode. And for those of you who care, I don't know, Chiptunes is one of the genres I have listed, but I don't really play them that often. I've played a few synthwave artists that have little Chiptune samples here and there. But I thought it would be fun, and I'm going to be doing a series of these, uh, I guess pretty much from now on, where I chat with chiptune artists, you know, people who have been on the scene for a long time making chiptune music. I'm sort of using today's guest, who is uh, Zabutam. I'm using him as a stepping stone to understanding the whole chiptune scene. So a lot of the questions I ask him, if you are familiar with chiptune music, if you're familiar with the demo scene, you might be like, I know all this shit, but I actually don't. And so I was learning today. And basically today we're just going to be listening to all chiptune music from a variety of artists. And we'll, I guess, just start right now and then we'll uh, do the show, man. So here is a cool track that I dug. This was by an artist called Cubby, K-U-B-B-I. And this track is called Juggernaut.
That was Juggernaut by Cubby. And that's a cool track. Don't forget you can check out all the artists I feature on the show by uh, clicking the More Info button. If you're listening on SoundCloud or a few months later when I post the episodes on YouTube, just click on the More Info button, man, and then uh, you can see all the artists' links up there. And don't forget that today's show is brought to you by Retro Revolutions. Go check him out on YouTube, the YouTube channel Retro Revolutions. He does cool things with old video game consoles. He mods them and does uh, neat things, and he makes little episodes out of his work, and you can see what he does, and all the soldering, and all the stuff that goes into modding these old systems, and uh, he listens to cool synthwave music while he's doing it, so it's a good time. That's Retro Revolutions on YouTube. You can also check him out at Retro Faith Games on Twitter, and Retro underscore Revolutions on Instagram. So I thought today, throughout the show, I might take some listener questions and so if you follow me on twitter i said hey send me some questions and a bunch of people did so i'll answer them while we listen to cool chiptune music i guess we'll consider this the mail sack segment because uh i haven't opened a sack of mail in a while so we'll we'll do that now man so uh let's open the mail sack Alright, this is a uh, message from Genuine Human at Genuine Human Art on Twitter. And uh, hey, that guy does cool, um, like, 8 bit artwork. Is that what it's called? 8 bit artwork or 16 bit artwork? Does it have another name? It probably does. He says, Favorite Toho kaiju and why? Good question, man. You know, I'm not huge into kaijus, to be honest with you. But if I were to pick my favorite, it would be Mecha Godzilla. Because he's Godzilla, but he's a robot. I'm not 100% sure of Mecha Godzilla's story, whether or not people made him, or he's an alien, or maybe both. But I like that he's got, uh, he shoots like a rainbow laser out of his mouth, and then his fingers like shoot off his rockets. <laughs> it's, all you, it's all you need to know about Mecha Godzilla, man. So that's my answer. Mecha Godzilla is my favorite kaiju. So is that like cheating if you pick the robot? Because technically that's like, I just said my favorite giant robot, right? But if Mecha Godzilla is an alien, then does it count? What is the actual definition? Hold on here. I'm looking at the definition of kaiju. Is a Japanese film genre that features giant monsters, usually attacking major cities and engaging the military and other monsters in battle. The term kaiju translates to strange beast, and daikaiju roughly translates as large strange beast. The term is used for the... Okay, this is boring. <laughs> Who wants to hear me read uh, Wikipedia? Let's uh, listen to another track. This is an interesting one. Now, you might not think of this as literal chiptune, but uh, this art is called, I'm going to say Itziok? Iziok? I-Z-I-O-Q. Iziok. Iziok? I'm going to say Iziok. Maybe it's even Itziok. Let me know. Let me know and I'll uh, issue a correction, dude. But this guy, I was listening on to music on his band camp, and it's not that it's necessarily chiptune, but it's very video game inspired music like the music sounds like a soundtrack from an old video game and so i thought i'd play a track from him and this one is called simple days happy days by Iziok. <laughs> Thank you. 
And that was Izziok with the track Simple Days, Happy Days, or Izziok, or Itziok. Let me know, man. I-Z-I-O-Q. You know, I'm really bad at pronouncing things. I'm going to keep reading listener questions, but I'm not going to play the jingle again. So just assume that the mail sack is open for the entire episode. Blake Peterson! Oh, shit. (laughs) I forgot to... (laughs) I got to do my Patreon, man. Hold on. All right, just open up the Patreon here. So I'm just going to go through right now. We had a whole bunch of new patrons last week. I don't know what happened, <laughs> but I don't know if people just discovered the show. But of course, thank you very much. And so what do we got here? We got new donor Brian Busher. Thanks, Brian. We've got Tomasz Szymanek upgraded his support. He is now one of the Donation of the Beast guys with the old triple six. And then a new donation from Knight of Ducks. A new donor, Monkey Magics. Sarah Buchelman upgraded her support. From five to ten, thank you. New donor, Assie Dre. Assie, that's how you say your name, right? Assie Dre. New donor, Christian Michael Bust. Is that how you say that? Michael Bust, or is it Mickle Bust? I'm going to say Michael Bust, M-Y-K-L-E. A new donor, Chatterack. I think I chatted with him on a Messenger the other day, right? Sure. So those are all the new donors uh, to Beyond Synth. And of course, I will read your names out when I go through and do it in order. I just like to say up front the new people who are donating to the show. And thank you very much for your support. And of course, if you uh, like Beyond Synth, you can support the show by going to patreon.com slash beyondsynth. Or you can just go to beyondsynth.com and then click on the donate button. So what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. Blake Peterson says, I got one. I know you are sent boatloads of music directly, but how do you find new music? otherwise. Okay, so for the most part, a lot of the new music I play is just the stuff that's sent to me. And if you're an artist and you want uh, me to check out your music, you can just email beyondsynth at gmail.com. You can also message me on SoundCloud, on Facebook, on Twitter. There's all sorts of places. So that's where I get the majority of the music now because I just don't have time. But as I've said before, if we get the Patreon up to a certain amount, I'll be able to devote more time to the show. And then my plan is to just have a day a week where like that's my job then day you know like it's like a weekly job of just searching for new music but when i do look for music on my own one thing i will do is go through my followers on twitter and on soundcloud especially so on soundcloud i noticed a lot of artists will follow me so i'll just go through my soundcloud i'll check out the most recent people who followed now this is something i do like once every like three months or four months (laughs) whenever I have time and I'll just go through their accounts and see if they're musicians and I do the same thing with Twitter as well I'll look at my Twitter followers my most recent ones and you know half the time a lot of them do end up being artists and so I'll check out their pages the easiest and laziest way is literally just to go on Bandcamp click on Synthwave tag and then just see the top artists that come up I also follow a few people who do Synthwave reviews and I will check out the latest ones and the ones they give good reviews to I'll check out or even bad reviews It depends, because there's that Iron Skullet guy who, like, just hates on shit. (laughs) Anyway, he's doing his thing. It's not how I handle stuff. I mean, my policy is when it comes to negative reviews is especially with the synthwave scene you know it's a small scene and even though there's a-list artists who take that synthwave sound and put it in their pop songs their track would have been famous regardless but the scene itself is relatively small and i don't see the benefit right now of promoting any negativity 
So if artists send me music that I don't like, I just don't play it. But I don't badmouth them. I don't talk about it. I don't go on the show and say like, oh, this new album by so-and-so sucks. Because I don't see the utility in that. What I do is I just promote the stuff that I think is good. And if an artist sends me an album, I'll listen through it and I'll play the song I like. If And if there's only one song, that to me is still a win, right? It's still a victory. Somebody made a cool song. There's no shame in just making a cool song, right? You know when you watch those TV shows and they're like, those I love the 80s or I love the 90s shows and they'll make fun of one-hit wonders? And I'll be like, dude, the guy had a hit. Like, what are you making fun of? Like, where's your fucking hit song, asshole? Like, this dude had a hit song. Like, fuck you. I mean, one day I saw they, they were making fun of, you remember that song by, um, Christ, what was his name? Like, Michael Jackson, I think, produced it. Uh, Rockwell. They're making fun of that guy. I'm like, dude, it's a fucking great song. Like, fuck you. Like, where's your hit song? Anyways, so I just find music like the regular way. I don't have any secrets. I don't have any backdoors into any fucking worlds or universes. I just, uh, I play what's sent to me. And, uh, yeah, I find music, I guess, the same way other people do. All right, let's listen to another track. Here's a cool one from Shiroban. This track is called Fox.
And that was Fox by Shiroban. Shiroban. Shiroban's one of the bigger names in the uh, the chiptune scene, so I imagine me playing a track from him is no surprise, but obviously he makes cool music. And that was brought to you by my lovely Patreon supporters. The king of the Pattersons this week is Chris Williams. Chris Williams, the king of cyber services. Uh, he is the king of the Pattersons. And then, of course, there's Pattern Shift. So don't forget to check out patternshift.bandcamp.com. Uh, how about this? Let's play some Pattern Shift in the background while I... I uh, read the rest of the do the rest of this segment. This is a cool one. It's called Euphoric Effects. So that's the music that's playing in the background right now. I don't normally do this. Today's like a weird show. I'm changing things up. This track you're listening to in the background is called Euphoric Effects by Pattern Shift. And you can check out Pattern Shift on Bandcamp. He makes cool music. I've been playing a few tracks of his uh, over the past few weeks, and I suggest you check it out. And of course, with the 4488, it's Mr. Jacob Wick with the 25, or my book. <laughs> And uh, my pals in the $25 club, there's Clint Dowling, Christian James, Mike Shima, Joey and Kendra, Gregorio Franco, and Chris Dance. You guys are all fucking awesome people. And uh, if you want to join them and help supporting Beyond Synth, you can check out beyondsynth.com and click on the donate button. So let's go back to the mail sack. Ashley Keegan at Synchronicity. I've never said that out loud before. Synchronicity on Twitter. You know Ashley Keegan? She called in just a few episodes ago when I did the listener call-in show. She is a lovely lass from Ireland. She says, If you could turn any activity into an Olympic sport, what would you have a good chance at winning a medal for? Nothing. I... I honestly don't think there's a thingle, a thingle thing. I got this synchronicity in my head. I don't think there is a single thing that I am good at that I am that good at that I would win a medal for. I'm what you call a mediocre guy. I mean, I know you're all thinking that I was going to say, well, if you could play go at the Olympics and we have like a four-player tournament of the N64 game go and if I was playing go I still think... I'm not tournament-level quality. I think I'm good at the game, and I enjoy the game. Obviously, it's one of my favorites. I mean, like, Go is, like, one of the best games ever made. And I don't care. Uh, however many fucking stupid video game articles I read about, like, Oh, games that haven't aged well. Fuck you, okay? Go is fucking awesome. And I would pick my favorite character, James Bond. I always love, I always play as Pierce Brosnan, because I enjoy that. Although, as you all know, I like to play a mod of Go but yeah, I don't even think I would uh, win a medal for that. I bet you there's people who are much better at that game than I am. Oh, and if you're new to the show, I talk about a particular N64 game starring Pierce Brosnan so much in the early episodes of Beyond Synth that I'm no longer allowed to talk about it, which is why it gets censored. All right? <laughs> Just so you know. <laughs> uh, Ashley also says, What game or movie universe would you most like to live in? I've always found the castle in Mario 64 very peaceful. You know, outside of the castle, where it's just the castle, and it's just the... It's very green, and there's a few trees you can flip on, and there's that cannon that shoots you up to the roof. I've always liked that. I've always liked the sunrise in Ocarina of Time. I find that peaceful. Like, I like the idea of when you wake up and that song plays. You know, that...
think that would be cool. It has nothing to do really with the world of the game so much as I just love uh, that. But at the same time, I don't want to live in a world where the second the sun goes down, fucking skeletons come out of the ground. I mean, they're pretty easy to dispatch, and you get money from them, but still, like... So it's a good question. I I would want to live in a peaceful place. And obviously, a lot of video games aren't necessarily peaceful, because the whole point of the game is you're fighting stuff. So I'll sleep on that question, and we'll listen to another song while I do. So here's a track from Go280. It's called Killer Pillar. And uh, let's check it out.
right, that was Go To 80 with the track Killer Pillar. That's P-I-L-L-E-R, not P-I-L-L-A-R, which would be some sort of pillar that would fall on somebody. And uh, and that was Go To 80. And that was brought to you by my lovely Patreon supporters. In the $15 Club, it's Action Jackson. And then there's Ken Giroux and Hampus ML. And new donor with the $14.95, it's Chatterack. Hey, Chatterack, you're a cool guy. Thank you for donating to Beyond Synth. You know, I love cool people, and Chatterack is one of them. He's a man on a mission. And now he's supporting the show, so thank you very much. And of course, with the 1111, it's the immortal Chrysalia Lane. And with the 11, it's Sebastian Anti. Is Anti your real last name? A-N-T-I? That's an interesting last name. Anti. Anyway, and uh, and in the $10 club, it's Fraser Davidson and Sarah Buchelman who upgraded her support. And new donor, Monkey Magics. Thanks, Monkey Magics, for your support. I guess this also answers another question from Blake Peterson of Where I Find Music. I don't I don't know if Monkey Magics is a musician, but I will find out because another way I'd find music is a lot of uh, musicians donate to the Beyond Synth Patreon, and so I find out about their existence that way, which is always a lovely surprise because people support the show, and then I find out they're also cool artists, and so it's win-win for me, man. And then, uh, then there's Emilio Aston. And Andrew Benson and C. Thomas Howell. Uh, thank you all for supporting Beyond Synth. Let's go back to the mail sack. Oh, by the way, if anyone wasn't paying attention, we're doing a chiptune episode this week. So we're playing all chiptunes and we'll be talking to Zabutom later on in the program. Gregorio Franco says, Give me those bleepy bloops. Okay, buddy, I will. Bowler Hat Crab at Night of Ducks asks, Favorite training montage? Because I haven't had too much time to think about this, I'm going to say Rocky IV because of those boxing crystals that are in the machine that are hooked to Dolph Lundgren. That's still my favorite. It's one of my favorite things. I know I've talked about it on the show before, but... You see Rocky training in the woods, hauling trees around and fucking boxing like in the mountains with no one. And then it cuts back to (laughs) Dolph Lundgren and there's this machine and the camera does this pan to show that there's these like kind of crystals in the machine that are like lighting up. And I love that so much because it's never explained. I don't know what the insinuation is that these crystals are imbued with magical properties or what. (laughs) It's never been clear to me, but I love it. And it always it makes me laugh. So it's amazing. Dennis LaFont. Monk says, is there is there a synthwave track that gets you emotional? And that's at Dennis LaFunk underscore on Twitter. Is there a synthwave track that gets me emotional? Yeah, there's a few. And some of them I use to write because even if it takes fucking 10 years, I'm still at some point going to make Circuit and Breaker. And there's a track I've actually been listening to quite a lot by Night Raptor called Flashback. And I think this is a great track. That 
that's a little sample of it. That's a Night Raptor. And uh, yeah, I think it's a good song. Like when I write to it, like I have a whole scene planned out that I want to use. And I probably shouldn't have said that now because someone will just fucking take it. But whatever, I'll still do it anyways. I don't care. But yeah, there's there's a lot of, uh, there's cool synthwave artists that do tracks like that. There's different ways to get emotional from a song, right? So some of them are kind of sad emotional. Some of them are uplifting. There's this track by Wojciech Golchewski called Childhood Dream. That's a cool song. That's like more in the sort of the uplifting, you know, when you hear that, it's like, yeah, empathy test, man. The track Here Is The Place, that's a good one. And here is the place when I die, I want you to bury me beneath this old willow tree, enough of an appetite for me, and here is the That's good enough, right? <laughs> Let's listen to another uh, chiptune song, man. We're doing chiptunes today. Oh, I forgot to mention, there's a hilarious video of Go To 80. Mitch Murder sent it to me, and <laughs> it's so funny. It's, it's Go To 80 playing some very experimental electronic music on, I guess, a kid's show in, like, Sweden or something. And just the kids are so confused. <laughs> and, like, there's this shot where this, like, little girl just looks at the camera like, what the fuck? It's awesome. Um, but anyway, that's that's that. So let's listen to this track. This is by Trevor Lentz, L-E-N-T-Z, and this track is called Taking Poison.
was Taking Poison by Trevor Lentz. And that was brought to you by my lovely Patreon supporters. In the $10 Club, it's Robert Wolf, Kemson Games, Lucas Ceballos, Justin Armour, The Patch Bay, Blake Peterson. Hey, we read your question. Martin Larby, Digital Dreams, Power Loader, Trevor Resnick, Poly Digital, and Elias Garnier. All right, let's go back to the mail sack. Johnny Synthwave at Synthageddon in capital letters on Twitter says, if the end of the world was about to happen and you only had the time to play one last track, what would you choose and why? It's a hard question to answer when you like music, right? Because I don't think I have a favorite song. And then I don't know is, do you want to make yourself feel happy? I mean, like, what is happening to the world at that moment? Like, is it vaporizing? Did, like, the sun explode? Can you actually enjoy the song? When I was young, I had three Depeche Mode tapes that someone gave me. For whatever reason, I loved the song Here Is The House from the Black Celebration album. I think Black Celebration might be my favorite Depeche Mode uh, album. And it's not one of their popular songs. It's not even a B-side. No one ever talks about it. But for some reason, that song stuck with me. I don't know why. I remember one night, I had a crush on this girl who was a grade older. Like, no, there was no chance in hell. I was not a cool kid. And I remember I went to a some sort of party thing with a friend. It was like his family's... Fa- whatever. Anyway, she was there. And I remember coming home and just that weird feeling. You know when you have a crush on someone when you're a kid and you, you come home and you're just energized because you saw them? Maybe the world is different now because with social media and all these kids just have... Like, like accounts, like Twitter accounts and things, and you can always sort of see them. But when I was a kid, you just couldn't. There was no internet. I couldn't look at her profile or do anything like that. So it was just exciting to see them outside of school. And I remember just coming home and being just energized, you know, like my heart was fluttering. And then I just kept on listening to Here is the House. even know this particularly a great song but you're asking me right now and in this moment i'm gonna say i would listen to that song uh, because it would remind me of my childhood bobby b bobby fletch 78 on twitter what does that mean is your last name fletch what's the 78 oh never mind i can probably guess Um, Bobby says, when are you coming to England to party with us lot? Well, I'll have to get my passport. You know that. I don't have a fucking passport. (laughs) When I get my passport, Bobby B, I will make a trip to England because there is a lot of synthwave artists in England that I would like to visit with. I'll be very busy. I almost feel like I would need to go there for like a month, but I would love to party with you guys. And, um, maybe one of these days we will, man. It'd be fun. I'm really not that much of a partier, to be honest with you, so I don't want to give you the impression that I'm, like, some super cool person to hang out with. Like, I'm the kind of guy who likes just sitting in a pub and talking. I'm not a dancer. I am social. Like, I'm not an introvert. Like, I like hanging out with people and chatting, but I I 
do like to focus in and have like one-on-one conversations and I do just like to sit and chat and, and get to know things about people. So I don't know, like, yeah, like I don't dance. That's one thing that's absolutely clear is I do not. I don't even like to joke dance because I just look like Elaine from Seinfeld and it's anyway, whatever. One of these days, Bobby B. All right, let's listen to another track. This is by Ansonics, A-N-S-O-N-I-X from the album Ready for Battle and this one's called The Story Begins.
That was The Story Begins by Anne Sonics. And that's a cool track. And you can uh, check out his stuff. And that, of course, was brought to you by my lovely Patreon supporters. In the $10 Club, there's Murat, Playmaker Media, Ashley Keegan. Hey, we read her question. And there's Greg Smith, Fucking Slunks, Will Lowe, Colin Bennett, and new donor, Knight of Ducks. Hey, we read your question. See, look how all this is coming together, man. This is cool. Also new donor this week in the $8 Club, it's Assi Dre. I hope I am saying your name right. A-S-I. Assi? Do you say it like that? Do you go Assi? Or do you go Assi? Or do you go Assi? Dre. Anyways, thanks. Uh, Thanks for your support of the show, man. You're a cool guy. And with the triple seven, it's the Rosconian and Skywolf. Well... And of course, there's Hugh Jones with the 669. I should also apologize, although it's not my fault, if you are a Patreon supporter. Patreon had some difficulty processing things last week. It was a story, if you read it. I don't know what they did. They switched their online bank or something. So if you are a Patreon supporter and you got numerous attempts to access your credit card, that is why. Because I think they switched to some European thing. And so now people who donate, it looks like it's like a spam thing trying to charge you. And so a lot of credit cards were declining it. So if you've been declined, I guess try again or something. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, the bottom line is, I thank you for your support. And one, two, three, four. I survived the Infinity War. At James Gibbs underscore Art on Twitter says, "Which is your favorite?" And he sent me three pictures. So I have a choice between the movie Necessary Roughness, Major League, or White Men Can't Jump. Is the joke here that you know I don't have any interest in sports films? Is that... (laughs) I think I'll just say white men can't jump just because I like uh, Woody Harrelson and Wesley Snipes. So, that's your answer. All these covers seem to have a ball with shades on it. (laughs) Was that a thing? Anyway, or maybe one of them's ripping off the other one? I don't know. Gregorio Franco has messaged me again. He says, what do you think I should wear to the spring formal? Um... Wear a tux, but then have spikes coming through the shoulders. And then, like a chrome tie. Wear that to your spring formal, you old man. (laughs) And Dennis Gruder says, Transformers or Voltron? Uh, Fucking Transformers, man. What? (laughs) Yeah, Transformers. That's the... (laughs) I don't have anything against Voltron, but Transformers for me. I like the characters in Transformers. I like Soundwave's voice. That's all you need to know. That was Dennis Gruder at D Gruter on Twitter. Let's listen to another song. How about that? This is one from Luke Hash or Luke Hash. Is it one word? Luke Hash. L-U-K-H-A-S-H. Luke Hash. Well, that's how I'm going to say it. You can correct me if if I'm wrong. Uh, Luke Hash. This is a track called 80s, the remastered radio edit.
And that was Lou Cash with the track 80s, the remastered radio edit. And if you haven't been paying attention, we're doing a chiptune show today, and we'll be chatting with uh, Zabutam later on in the show. Well, actually, probably not that much later. <laughs> The show's already kind of running long. And that, of course, was brought to you by my lovely Patreon supporters. Oh, it's time for the donation of the beast. This is the donation of the beast. All right, these are all the people who donate $6.66 because they are evil. And before I get to them, I should remind you all that all the jingles on Beyond Synth are done by Hoo-Ha. So go to the Hoo-Ha Bandcamp. Or better yet, search for Beyond Synth on Spotify and you can listen to the full-length songs that are the Beyond Synth jingles. You can listen to them on Spotify and they are done by Hoo-Ha. Although technically this song is done by Gust, G-U-S-T, which is just hoo-ha. Okay, and I want to thank my lovely triple six donors, man. There's Tomasz Szymanek, who has upgraded his support. And then there's Alexandro Samaras, Luke BTD, Ross Pentland, Moose Nux, Rob Dyson, Street Cleaner, Orlando Rodriguez Naif, Till Wild, Straylight, Carm, Love Machines from Ix, and Rentonbrax. And rounding it out with the 617, it's Polar Wildcat Studios. So thank you very much for donating to the show. I've got a few really short ones to play. That's the one thing about going through Triptune music. Some of it's very short. Uh, this is one from Danimal Cannon, who I'm trying to figure out. I feel like it was like he might have just been called Danimal at one point or Animal Cannon and then combined them. Again, I've got a lot to learn about this whole Chiptune thing. This was from the album Just Shapes and Beats, and this track is called Menu. I imagine this was a game soundtrack. That was Menu by Danimal Cannon from the album Just Shapes and Beats. And I like that one. 
It's got a fun energy to it, and it's nice and short. That's the thing, man. So many chiptune tracks are really short. And that, of course, was brought to you by my lovely Patreon supporters. With the 520, it's Tim Brawl. And in the $5 Club, it's Darman Jezezeling, Christian Michael Bust. So that's a new donor. Hey, Christian Michael Bust or Mickle Bust. Let me know. Now I'm thinking it's Mickle Bust. Christian Mickle Bust? Michael Bust. All right, let me know, dude. Um, you know, I like to pronounce people's names correctly. And then there's Brian Busher. That's also a new donor. Thanks, Brian Busher. You're a cool guy. Uh, and thank you for supporting Beyond Synth, man. You're cool. His picture is from Grim Fandango. I know that. And then there's Andrew, Scott Herndon, Talis, Josh Riley, Mads Baron Christensen, Kyle Droll, Pipdig, Erasmus, Deep, Mikey C, David Andrews, The Englishman in Texas, Andrew Chukas, Rachel Buchelman, Sergio Matai, Binkley, Sven Bomanis, Citybat, Christopher Albert, Daniel Dexius, Star Nomad, and Michelle Vasquez. Thank you all for donating to Beyond Synth. Uh, who's up for, how about this? We'll listen to one more track. And then we will go to my conversation with Zabutam. So here's a little quick one. Just since I mentioned him in the interview, this is a quick track by Dub Mood. This is an old one because this was one of his key gen tracks. And this is how I discovered chiptunes all those years ago. Pirating software like a fiend. Uh, this track is called Key Gen Chip 6. And uh, I just always dug this one because it's cool. Uh, and it's by Dub Mood. was dub mood with the track key gen six or key gen number six because that was played probably when i was cracking some software <laughs> back in the day man everything is above board now but i've always heard some of the coolest and catchiest chiptune tracks when i would be installing uh, software that's the thing why don't the companies do that themselves like, if you officially buy software for real, they should also play chiptune music when you're installing it. There was a time when installing cracked software was just easier than installing the actual software. And you'd get to listen to a cool song while you did it. I should also say that dub mood is really hard to say because I always want to say dub moob. I don't know if I'm the only one with that problem. Um, and of course, that was uh, brought to you by my lovely Patreon supporters in the $5 Club. There's Tim Ross, Neon Knox, Damian Rudy's, Lee McConnell, Zychorax, Marco Cranendonk, Corey Valentine. Timothy Pierce, Starlight Fisher, Barons of Santa Carla, Tristan Waits, Dana Jean Phoenix, Stu M, Night Raptor, Simon Norberg, Matthew Lister, Bobby B, Roman, Joe Ozone, Gus Velasek, and Kai. Thank you all for supporting Beyond Synth. If you want to
want to support Beyond Synth, go to beyondsynth.com and click on the donate button. And now, let us go to my conversation with Zabutam. So, before we get going any further here, how do you say it? Sabutom, I guess. So, it's <laughs> in, uh, <laughs> in, in Swedish, it would be sabutom. Sabutom, like that? Yeah. So, it's more of an S sound, like that's than a Z? I, I, it's supposed to be a Z, I guess. <laughs> well, it sounds like when you say it, it sounds like you're saying more like a sabutom, like that. Yeah, that's just my Swedish accent. But you're if you're Swedish, then that's how it should be said, right? I want to make sure I say it properly. Yeah, but we can go with the sabutom. <laughs> this is reasonable. I'm a very particular person, though. I like to make sure, at least I like to try to pronounce things the best I can. And The way I came up with the name sabutom, I was maybe... Uh, 14 or 15 years old and I was just looking for a name to my music and back then in like 2001 I was a big fan of uh, arcade games running emulators and uh, trying out the, all the classics and I found this game called R-Type oh yeah classic uh, game by Irem and I visited the website of Irem there they had like a list of the enemies in the game and the first boss was called Sabuton, so I just took it. <laughs> so it's an R-Type reference. Yeah, it is. Okay, that's good to know. But it, I don't think it exists in the game, but more like on the website that doesn't exist anymore. That's the case with like a lot of old games though, right? Like y- you read the lore or you read the instruction manual yeah. and it gives you a lot more information than you actually get when you're <laughs> playing the game. I guess it's, it's different now, but... I think Zelda has like really fucked up names in the manual. <laughs> I should go back and, and read one. I had this funny idea. I don't know if this is a thing that happens in Sweden, but I'm in Canada. Sometimes people will come to the door trying to promote their religion, mm-hmm. and they come to the door and they say, hey, you should do this or whatever. Yep. And I always had this idea that I wanted to do that, but with the Zelda manual, <laughs> you know, go to people's houses and like sort of promote Zelda as sort of like this religious thing and then sort of... Yeah. Talk about it in depth about the Triforce and, you know, like, well, here's how the universe was created and Ganon and blah, blah, blah. Like, I think that would be awesome. Yeah. So the bottom line is this. Zabutom is who I am speaking with right now. And it is an R-type reference. So we've already learned something, which is good. So I should say that you are one of, I think, two names, maybe three. Like, I've never known too much about the chiptune scene. You're pretty much my first, like chiptune artist guest on the show like i've had other people on the show who incorporate some chiptune sounds into their music like into like synthwave tracks and stuff where they use some of the chiptune instruments like um, arcade high is is one of them yeah and an artist called ogre right. who's one of my favorite uh, synthwave artists he has a few sort of chiptune songs from back in the day and and I, he was my first guest and we talked a bit about that first guest on the show ever yeah yeah Okay, cool. He does the song, like the Beyonce theme song is like a track from one of his albums and it's like, it's one of my favorite things. But he did a few chiptune style songs, but we didn't really get too in-depth about it. Yeah, yeah. So for your music, I remember like in the early 2000s, whether it was using cracked software or I think I downloaded a folder of chiptune music like in the early 2000s, Dub Mood was one of them, and Zabutam, like those are the two names 
that still stick in my head of like these are like the the people from back in the day who were doing this stuff (laughs) so it's cool to talk to you because i just know this word zabutum from like fucking 20 years ago or ever the hell long it's been that's cool i'm still here (laughs) do you want to talk about like the origins like how I started. Sure, man. We can talk about whatever you want. Because I'm curious about when it started and also why chiptune musics were on all like the crack software things. Like how did that begin? Because that's another one too. Like I feel like I've heard your music while installing software. That's like just a product of trying to fit the cracked software intros in a, such a small space as possible. Mm-hmm. So you wouldn't have to download. Uh, uh, but really it stems from like the beginnings of cracked software in like the whole of the 80s and the 90s where uh, people started making it into a kind of a scene before the internet on bulletin board systems like bbs systems there would be groups of people competing to crack the newest games as quickly as possible just release it and put their name on it oh this one this game is cracked by mr said or cracked by Fairlight. Like, I'm thinking about this in context of the 2000s, but I do remember when I was a kid, my brother had a Commodore 64. Yeah. And that reminds me, because like all of our discs were always copied games or whatever, and they always had like a little intro screen with like yeah. a bunch of flashing colors. So yeah, I guess it's been going on for a long time. Back in those days, you needed to scale down the size of the program, of the intro program, in order to fit it on the game disc. Right. That's a kind of um, a remnant from that era that they still put ship tunes in the crack intros <laughs> well how about this man let's listen to a track and then we'll uh, get into this so i'm gonna play some tracks that are from your actual like released um albums okay so this was one from uh zeta force from 2011 this is a cool track this is techno boss by zabutom
And that was Techno Boss by Zabutom. And I'm here with Zabutom right now. Do you say your name or is that a secret? Like your actual name? My actual name, yeah, it's no secret. It's uh, Niklas. Okay, because I, yeah, I didn't know. Sometimes people, like, they have these aliases and they're, like, very serious about them. Oh, no. That's cat is out of the bag. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we say Niklas? Yeah. Good. Cool. <laughs> Perfect. I'm always I'm always trying to do the right pronunciations, but I feel foolish because on, on my show, people donate to the Patreon and I try and read their names and sometimes they're just very difficult for me and I still try anyways, but... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, man, so talk to me about how you got into chiptune stuff in the first place. I got into music very early, like I was 10 years old and um, some friends of my parents we used to go to their place and their kid had a BBS system where he released stuff and lets people upload stuff and like wares and modules and stuff so he showed us some music software and he was making music and had a studio and uh, he gave us some software me and my brother my older brother and we started like messing around and that's how I got started basically do you remember what the software was yeah it was uh, scream tracker free it's like a precursor to impulse tracker okay so explain to me because there's there's so many words <laughs> involved with chiptune like when I'm looking at the paragraphs and I don't know any of them so like what is a tracker exactly Tracker is a type of music sequencer, basically uh, this grid on the screen that scrolls downwards and you see all the the sequence data scrolling uh, on the screen. So basically you see all of the information that's stored in the sequence on the screen as you play it in the tracker software. So how does that work exactly? Like if you're using a Nintendo, like you want to use Game Boy sounds, for example. Yeah, the thing with trackers on Game Boys and Sega and the consoles, it arrived maybe in the 2000s primarily. Like okay. people made special software, like Johan Kotlinski made the LSDJ software for the Game Boy and then Oliver Wittschau was a bit earlier, I think, in 99 or something. He made the Nanoloop software which is for like special cassettes where you can just put any software so it's no official it was basically made for putting games and making homebrews and that sort of stuff you don't need a game boy do you or is there people who are like purists who actually want to like yeah. have it running straight from the game boy yeah i guess in some ways a bit more convenient to run it on a game boy because it boots up instantly it has a long battery time and like if you're doing live shows it makes more sense to run it off an actual game boy than off a laptop like you're not looking at the little tiny game boy screen for the sequence are you like yes what? you are <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but there's some modifications you can like put a backlight into the screen so it's brighter and uh, more visible okay wait a second if you're making music Right, and you're using Game Boy sounds, yeah. and you're doing it with a tracker in a Game Boy. Yep. Are you actually making the music with the Game Boy, or are you, like, importing a file that you made on the computer? No, it's completely made from scratch with, like, the... Up, down, left, right, and the A and B button? Like, that's... A, B, and start select, yeah. And you have, like, combinations of buttons. So you, like, hold down, select, and B, and then you release, and then you can mark up like an uh, area in the tracker sequence and you press B again that means you've copied it and then you like hold select and press A I think which means you paste it 
So it's very flexible. Like once you learn how all the button combinations and how to switch between the different screens. So the way it works, it's like you have um, a number of different screens which you switch between. So you like have one uh, sequencer and one uh, arrange mode. So you have different levels of complexity. Then you have like instrument macros, which is where you design your sounds and like where you define that, okay, on this microsecond, you have a pulse wave that's this wide and at this volume level. And then the next, you transpose it X amount of semitones up or down and, and so on. So you really go into uh, micro uh, managing your sounds and then you make small sequences of 16 steps and you piece them together into something called chains. And then you place the chains in like a song mode screen. <laughs> so this, it's, uh, this sounds insane. Like I, how do you, <laughs> the process of figuring it out must have been a huge pain in the ass. Like, that sounds crazy to me. Is it sound crazier than it is? To me, it sounds complicated. It isn't that complicated because you only have four tracks to care about. And that's sort of the appeal about ship tunes for many is that you are forced to be creative within very strict limitations. Right. And for some people that enables them to do music in a different way. I think that's the appeal of listening to chiptune music, especially with like, because I love old video game music, and obviously that's what chiptunes is, essentially. Yeah. I've always said this tons of time on the show. It's like, why I love old video game music is because it had a limited amount of instruments. It was more about coming up with catchy melodies than it was about fancy sound design and stuff like yeah. that. And so you just end up with all these awesome songs because the tunes are wicked. Because now it feels like you, when you have so much choice, it can be overwhelming, I guess. Yeah. But the thing with LSDJ is it's designed in such a way that it's very easy to use for anybody picking it up. Maybe that's the reason why, you know, some people come from chiptune, you know, because when they use programs like that, they get a taste for making music and then they they move on to other genres. That that could be it. But look, I want to listen to another track and then we'll keep talking here. Right. This is another one uh, from Zeta Force, which I dug. And this was the track Zeta Force, the Game Boy version.
All right, and that was Zeta Force, the Game Boy version by uh, Zabutam. And I'm here with Zabutam right now. Niklas. Yeah. So we're talking about making music on Game Boys right now, which sounds crazy. Okay. Sorry, this is a weird question. When I think of chiptunes, I always think of NES, Game Boy, Commodore, like sounds from that era. Does Sega Genesis, you know, like the sound chip that's the, the FM sound chip that's in the Sega Genesis or, or the Super Nintendo, do those count as chiptune? Or is that too late? Like, Genesis sounds have, like, a, a distinctness to them, but I don't know if they count as chiptune, necessarily. It definitely counts as chiptune in my world, but maybe it's a bit of a sub-genre of chiptune. Like, you have these uh, artists that mostly use FM uh, synthesis. There's little scene in Japan where you have these people making techno and crazy electronic music with, like, old um, sharp home computers, like the Japan equivalent of the Amiga, it's called the Sharp X68000, which has like an FM chip. It's a bit more advanced than the Genesis, I think. And that's still within the chiptune sphere. You have people making music and software for the Genesis as well. Because you've been making, I know I have, I probably have files on my computer from at least like the early 2000s. So like, when did you like upload your first chiptune track? must have been in 2000 I guess which is when I started going on like IRC and chatting with people exchanging tracks and collaborating and uh, I got picked up into this group called Sharon and Joy which made uh, crack intros <laughs> I don't remember but it was some this thing called an art group which worked in collaboration with where scene and made all the NFO files and the crack rules and stuff where's is the name for the whole scene and then you have these groups called different things like Razor 1911 or Fairlight or Class So who were some of the names back in the day? Like I mean obviously Dub Mood was one of them. Who were the other ones that you sort of remember? People I remember like we had a shiptune group called uh, Beep Dealers which released one, just like one album in 2001. It was me and Data Child and uh, Malman, Litis Nim... It's basically a group of friends. And of course, Dub Mood and Mact One and uh, Salsa, uh, Radix. There's tons of people. <laughs> and so you all sort of met through this community? Sort of, yeah. For me, I mean, like, there is this sort of the synthwave scene, and a lot of people are sort of friendly, and there's groups and things, and we chat with each other and stuff like that. With the chiptune, like, did you become, like, actual, like, friends with the other people, or were these all just, like, kind of sparse, sort of, like, online relationships? Like, how did that work? No, we became friends, like, through the this thing called the demo scene, which springs through this crack intro scene of the 80s and 90s eventually like the creative part of that like creating your own graphics and music like all these teenagers eventually evolved and branched off into this thing called the demo scene which was like stripped of all the piracy and just the creative bits right so people would do these things called demos to show like okay we're able to do this on just a commodore 64 check out these badass graphics and these banging tunes yeah. <laughs> right so that evolved like a worldwide thing underground culture so the demo scene wasn't limited to just music though like it was also people doing like digital like artwork and stuff yeah it's that actually music is like a side thing of the demo scene the main thing has always been the coding like graphics coding were people making games yeah games too and but mostly just like pushing the graphical 
limitations of the different old systems. And that's basically Shiptune comes from all of that, like demo groups creating their own custom music software and developing trackers and starting releasing it for free. Right. Like BBS systems or people copying disks and meeting at demo parties and uh, sharing software and becoming friends and coming back next year. So that's how I I like got all my friends from the demo scene. Well, that's cool, man. Like, well, how about this? Let's listen to another song and then we'll talk a bit more about this. So, okay, so you had the Zeta Force album. Yeah, yeah. Then there was an album called New Beginnings a few years later, which was kind of more loopy in a way. Like there's more kind of loops and stuff in there yeah what i tried was i tried to make more like dance music mm-hmm. like the ambition was to make like ship tune that would work on a dance floor i don't know if i succeeded or not but <laughs> that was the idea do you have like a favorite track from that one um it's probably a trisynaptic loop i don't know why <laughs> all right well, uh, well let's listen to that man this is a trisynaptic loop by zebutom
And that was Zebutom with the track Trisynaptic Loop off the album New Beginnings. And I'm here with Zabutom right now, Niklas. Now, there's a certain sound when I think of your music and stuff. And, like, you do go pretty experimental. This album definitely, like, sounded different. Yeah. And I know with some of your newer ones, you're, you're definitely experimenting with more sorts of sounds. What, strictly with the chiptune stuff, like, what is your favorite? I mean, we're talking about the trackers of all these different, like, old systems. Like, do you have a favorite sound library from any of the particular, like, old systems? Mostly I create my sounds from scratch. If I'm working in a MS-DOS old tracker, I try to sample sounds from uh, hardware synths, or, or at least nowadays. Back in the days, I would just create sounds by drawing waveforms, <laughs> cutting and pasting together like noise, and that's basically how I started making shift tune. was I couldn't decide like what samples to use, so it just felt easier to create my own sounds from scratch, and that ended up sounding like shift tunes. and I started listening to old shift tunes like the 90s, 80s mod, like Amiga stuff. Do you still make music using trackers now, or do you like do you use just actual like audio software, or do you still do it the old-fashioned way? I'm mixing it all together now. <laughs> like I still use some of the old-school trackers, like Fast Tracker 2 or LSDJ for the Game Boy or Famitracker for the NES. But then there's also this modern software called uh, Renoise which is like an updated version of the old MS-DOS software, which works more like a DAW software with you have effects and mixers and aux sense and VST plugins and everything, but you still have the same sequencer. And then I use like the hardware sequencers from Electron or Yamaha or whatever. I can get my hands on NPCs and like rack synths and modulars. Would you say that within the scene, I mean, I remember I, I talked to Ogre about this briefly, but is there such thing as like purists? Like, is there people who get upset if people are using like FL Studio and they're just sampling chiptune sounds versus people who actually like use the trackers and do it like the old fashioned way? People used to get upset about people on YouTube making these covers of uh, popular tunes in like, oh, this is like uh, Africa by Toto in Shiptune, the 8-bit. Right. And then they'd just taken a MIDI file and imported like a pre-made set of sounds and some people right. thought that was <laughs> kind of cheap. Yeah. And then there's all these scandals of people stealing Shiptune and claiming it their own, like you had a Timbaland beat. He kind of sampled uh, an artist called Tempest. It was over 10 years ago, probably, or around 10 years ago. And there was this big drama about that. But I feel like right now people have loosened up much more about using the right hardware software. I don't think people care if you use an emulator or like if you use the real deal. Maybe that was a thing 10 years ago. Right now, like there's so much stuff everywhere that people just don't care. For me, I personally don't care. Like I like the chiptune sounds. And so like I like when they're sort of mixed with modern production values, but still have those old kind of bleepy bloopy type sounds. I think the only thing I would ever object to is mislabeling. 
like you know if you see a thing it says 8-bit cover yeah. but then they're using like modern beats or something and it's like alright well hold on here like you, I don't know if you're allowed to call this an 8-bit version no. if I can clearly <laughs> hear like 20 different layers of the song when you knew that wouldn't be possible like yeah the thing that annoys me the most like when people try to make an 8-bit sound is that they use like a lead with a tail at the end and then it doesn't cut off at the next note so you can hear like this is a polyphonic right synth and an old nintendo couldn't produce that kind of Mm -hmm. it's just these tiny little details that you hear as an artist i guess what i was always impressed by with like a lot of the video game music i liked was just when people would push the boundaries and like do really cool sounding stuff like because game boy i don't know why this song always stuck in my head you may not have heard it but there was this game on the game boy called i think it was just called spot you remember like the the drink seven up oh yeah i remember that and there was a character called spot now he had an adventure game on like cool spot yeah there was cool spot which was the adventure version and then game boy had a game called spot which was basically the game Othello. Do you know Othello? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the song in that game is fucking awesome. <laughs> and But you had to let it sit there for a while. And then it would just start playing this song, like if you just let the game go. Here's a question. So you're using a tracker. Within it, is there a list of preset sounds that you can then manipulate? Like, how does that work? Like, how do the instruments work if you're using a tracker with, say, like a Game Boy? I'm going to keep using Game Boy as an example. You're using a tracker on a Game Boy. So you have four tracks, four different tracks that do different things. So you have two tracks that are like synthesizer with only pulse waves. And you can then like define how those pulse waves behave within certain boundaries. So you have uh, four different pulse widths and 16 different volume uh, levels, I think. And then you can manipulate the pitch in different ways. So you can like add a vibrato or a pitch envelope down to make it sound like a bass drum or um, add really fast modulation to make some FM type sounds or you can pan it. So it's, it's like a synthesizer. <laughs> it's kind of difficult to explain. So did you have to do that every time when you load up the tracker and say, I'm going to make a new song? Yeah. There's no presets. It's like every time you go, OK, well, this is going to be my lead. So I know last time I made a lead by adjusting these sets of parameters and I made my lead you literally have to like do that again yeah (laughs) (laughs) so are you saying then that's what people would have had to do if they were actually making like you're working at fucking Capcom and you're making Mega Man or whatever like maybe they had presets for their software right because they probably worked using like the computers of the day that's okay yes okay okay maybe they had I don't know what kind of software but it was probably very basic but maybe they had like a printed out on paper like oh to yeah (laughs) on paper um, envelope shape just a list of numbers and I think they also worked with people who just like writing a sheet of sheet music and then 
transcribing it into data manually. Yeah, that would, fucking what a crazy In time code. that would have been. <laughs> um, look, let's listen to another track. Uh, we're going to go forward here to Lost Tapes, which you called Lost Tapes 1, but there isn't a Lost Tapes 2, is there? Not yet. I'm working on it. Okay. <laughs> uh, this was from 2014. There's lots of great tracks on this one. Um, this was the cool one I liked. This is Teenage Riot, or it's Teenage Riot 3, isn't it? Yeah. Let's listen to it. That was Teenage Riots. 
three by Zabutom. And I'm here with Zabutom right now. Niklas. Now, what was I going to say? So this was a collection of tracks that you had made over the years. Yeah, it's tracks from spanning from 2000 to 2008 or something. Like old, old stuff. So did you do anything to like clean them up or anything? Yeah, remastered them a little bit. Nothing radical. How does the remastering process work if you're like dealing with sort of old school sounds? How much mastering can you do before it takes it out of the realm of like the the purity of the chip tune? The main thing I've done is just making the levels and panning uh, better and adding maybe a tiny bit of EQ and tiny bit of reverb and but mainly just making all the levels be more uh, listenable. <laughs> Because yeah. <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't really awesome at mixing when I was fifteen years old. With some of your releases, you also provide. I think with the, with the download, it's like it also has like the XM source file. Yeah, is that the tracker file? Like, what is that exactly? Yeah, that's the tracker project file, which contains like all the sequences and all the sounds. There are no plugins or anything in like a tracker software, so you can load them up and solo tracks. Or like speed it up, manipulate it, and steal my samples. <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw some pictures. Do you do live stuff? Yeah, I do. So how does that work? I started um, when I was playing Game Boy sets. I still do sometimes. I have a stage mixer, like a Mackie, like a mixer with EQ and two different send tracks, and then I have free Nintendo Game Boys, free or four. Something and then I switch tracks. And the thing with LSDJ, it also has these features in it that are designed for live use that you can uh, transpose or switch uh, sequences between tracks and make it loop. So it, it runs in real time while you can go in and manipulate parameters or sequences or solo mute stuff and you can also link two Game Boys together so you have like half of the song on one and half of the song on another one and I use that for two different tracks on the mixer and I play on the mixer with aux sense to like a reverb or delay or EQing muting and muting tracks and transposing and basically jamming on the tracks I programmed so it's kind of like a electronic live set on other gear. Before when you were talking about um, the Game Boy, there's like four tracks. I guess you call them tracks, right? Or, yeah. Are they layers or... Channels. Channels. So are some of the parameters of the channels like beyond your control? It's like these two are the only ones that you can manipulate to be like a lead and like channel four is always like the percussion or can all four of them be warped? Well, two of the tracks are just pulse wave synths, very simple. One of the tracks has samples, actually, with some built-in sounds that are like drum hits. Or it is a wavetable synth with something like 4-bit waveforms. And uh, the fourth channel is just a white noise generator. So those two tracks, the wave channel and the noise channel, are kind of locked. Like you can't play melodies on the noise channel. White noise, is that used for like percussion sounds? Yeah, it's like a ksh or sound. Uh, (laughs) And you can also pitch it to be like ah, ah. I mostly use it for hi-hats. 
and snares and like the attacks of kicks and stuff and you right. combine it together with the wave channel which has the lowest register that's also, also like the, the main difference like it, the pulse channels don't really have the bass bassy sounds and the wave channel has more bass and punch so you mostly you put your kicks and bass in the wave channel have you ever played predator for the nintendo no but i might have heard the soundtrack the soundtrack is awesome because I, i think about that with the percussion because it's got this one track that has like a really defined like beat I just whenever I think back to it because that's I don't know it comes to my mind. Uh, look, I want to listen to another track, and this is another one from Lost Tapes. This one's called Snow Mecca Takeoff. Yeah, and uh, I dig it, man. So let's listen.
And that was Snow Mecha Takeoff by Sabutom. I'm glad you played that one. <laughs> Speaking of Nintendo. Talk to me then a bit about like your inspiration and shit. So like what were your favorite video game tracks? Do you have any obscure ones? Or are you just going to say fucking Flash Mega Man 2 or whatever? Like I love Mega Man 2, which was one of the games I grew up with. But also Ninja Gaiden. Yeah. The first one has some amazing music. When I was a teenager, I was already nostalgic for like the old Commodore 64 games. Mm-hmm. So I was listening to a lot of old demo scene stuff. Basically, I spent way too much time listening to uh, like these old archives of NES soundtracks. <laughs> I feel like I've heard most of it. I'm, I'm still discovering stuff now. There's a website called uh, Zofar's Domain. Yeah, is- <laughs> I used to hang around there lots. It's been around forever. Yeah, now he's actually... I should talk to that guy because he's performing a very valuable service right now because now it's a more organized place to just get old video game soundtracks and he just has like the MP3s and a folder you can download and it's all nicely labeled. So it's been really useful for me because I'll just go and like, oh, what was the soundtrack for whatever? And I just type it in and there it is in a folder and it's all labeled and everything's good. But... The Commodore, man, there's so many, like, Ron Hubbard, that dude, it's Ron Hubbard, right? Yeah, Rob Hubbard. Rob, okay, I keep fucking, yeah, because Ron Hubbard is another guy. Yeah, he's the Scientology (laughs) guy, right? Is that the, (laughs) no, that's L. Ron Hubbard. All right, anyway. (laughs) I'm confused. The point is, there's some classic tracks that I used to love, and I would put on the game just to hear them. There's this game called Druid for Commodore 64. Oh, yeah. I love that song. Is that the... Dun, 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 dun. Druid's the one. It goes. It goes like this. It goes like. I'm thinking about Druid 2. It was used as the um, actually the crack tro, the crack intro of Fairlight in the 80s. Ooh! It took the tune from Druid 2 before they had their own musicians that were good, I guess. International Karate. Yeah, that was uh, Rob Hubbard. Commando. It's also Rob Hubbard. Yeah, Commando's fucking wicked. <laughs> Oh, my God. 
Yeah, it was always interesting what people could do with the Commodore, because especially, like, I remember um, they had, like, a pretty cool speech synthesis program called Sam Say It, yeah. which was, like, mm-hmm. the first speech synthesis thing I ever, like, fooled around with. If you want to listen to some really cool SIDS stuff, there's this thing called Yukes Experimental SID Show. Okay, how do you spell that? What is that? J-U-C-K-E, Yucke, which is a guy who makes these DJ mixes of really obscure, really cool Sid stuff. And there's like five episodes, which are maybe like two hours each or something. He used to play at demo parties and uh, do live uh, broadcasting and stuff. It's really obscure, but really cool. So these demo parties were like actual parties? Like where people were in the same room? Yeah, definitely. Like I yeah. just want to make sure we're not talking about like some online thing. <laughs> like this was an actual thing that you went to. Yeah, you would uh, bring your old computers and rig them up and then party. And they would show stuff on the big screen. <laughs> and there would be competitions in demo and music. And we would just have a good time and hang out. Well, it sounds pretty intense, the chiptune scene. It was quite crazy. Like in maybe... 15 years ago, it was quite uh, wild, actually. Now it's a bit more toned down, I feel, like when going to demo parties. People are mostly in their 30s and 40s, but a while ago, it was different. How would you describe the average sort of chiptune artist? I mean, for me, in with the synthwave scene, there is sort of um, there's a type of person uh, that makes this sort of music, but also it's more accessible, I think, to make this kind of music. Like what you're describing with the trackers and things, it sounds a bit more intensive to actually just get started and sort of like figure it out. And so I'm wondering, like, this sounds more like a technical bunch of people to me. Yeah, perhaps I got into it when I was 10 years old or 11 years old. So I don't really have any real reference like how to how to get into it. Because for me, it's like just it's just like my uh, default mode. Yeah, <laughs> to do this every day. Yeah, no, it makes sense. It's just because I've really talked to too many chiptune people, so I don't know like what the general vibe is. I mean, are these like super nerds? I mean, like how would you describe the sort of the average person who does this kind of music? If there is such a thing as an average person. Well, in the demo scene, like the <laughs> the average person is uh, male mm. and uh, doesn't necessarily love video games like you have people from other scenes like punk rockers or whatever thinking it's cool to use a Game Boy or a Commodore to do stuff yeah (laughs) you know in some ways I think that is similar to Synthwave maybe that's why there's this crossover with the audience who listens to this show because Synthwave is very similar and I've been trying to figure it out because it is mostly male mostly dudes in their late 20s early 30s so Synthwave is very nostalgia based so it's a lot of people who are inspired by video games from their childhood movies it sort of combines a lot of those things but I've always been curious like because it is mostly dudes I mean there is girls who who make synthwave music, but a lot of the times it's like they're vocalists. Mm-hmm, you know, like yeah. they'll sing on synthwave tracks, but they're not necessarily producers. I do know some producers, but it's it's overwhelmingly dudes. Like it just is. Mm-hmm. With a lot of women I know who make electronic music, they tend to make more like kind of dream pop, and it's more about the songwriting aspect. I think. Yeah. You know, it's the singing, mm-hmm. it's the poetry, it's doing that sort of stuff. Whereas when you're a hardcore like electronic musician making electronic music, it's technical, it's math, it's like pressing buttons and moving knobs and adjusting things and stuff like that and I feel like that just appeals more to guys uh, I guess that's just how boys are raised like and 
how video games were marketed in the 80s, 90s, to exclusively to boys. Yeah, like I'm thinking about that as well, because obviously guys who are, are my age now were the target audience of games. And so I'm curious to know how much of it is societal versus, you know, just innate interest. You know, like if dudes literally just gravitate towards this stuff because they're dudes or if it's actually like because we were raised with video games and they were more for boys back, you know, when we were kids, if that's why. And then, you know, maybe in like five, ten years, we're going to see more women being more interested in like the actual technical aspects of electronic music. Yeah, I guess the technical aspect, it's part of the music, of course. Mm -hmm. It's not like the actual music. I don't know. <laughs> with, with electronic music, is uh, it's a bit complex with what is the actual... Is it the notes or is it the sounds? When it comes to making electronic music, there's definitely a lot of... There's the not fun part. Yeah. I think like, you know, coming up with lyrics singing, songwriting, coming up with melodies and stuff. Like, that part's all good. Then there's the part where you're sitting in front of your computer listening to the same 10 seconds looped for, like, two hours, raising and lowering things. Yeah, or, like, trying to make your gear sync or, like, trying to recover lost data. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to make your projects work again mm -hmm. or like stopping your programs crashing left and right. All the boring stuff, backing up your data. And, uh, and so that's why I'm curious about that sort of stuff because there's an aspect of that part of the music that I feel like it's just more, I don't know, like if it just dudes, and maybe it's because we grew up with games and maybe that's the reason. Like, I don't know the cause. Like, I'm not a fucking social scientist. All I see is these genres and I see, oh, like, it seems to be like mostly dudes. And like, I just, I, I'm curious to know why. Yeah. And like, I think there's that part too because I've meddled with making electronic music and there's these times where it's just you know you're just staring at the screen and listening to the same thing over and over again like on a loop and just making little subtle adjustments and turning knobs and stuff i think it takes a certain type of person to stick with it while that's going on i imagine with doing chip tunes it's got to be even more intensive too and you're like on the game boy yeah, well. up and down and a and b and <laughs> i don't know for me it's it's like solving a puzzle or something. That's a good way of putting it, like solving a puzzle. Some tracks on the Game Boy have literally go to bed and just do a few short sequences and then turn it off and go to sleep. So a track might have been made uh, over the course of a couple of weeks or something. Mm -hmm. That's how I come up with some of the more complex stuff. Usually not made in one sitting. Yeah, that's probably a good technique anyway, so you don't get like hypnotized by a loop or something. You can just hear it like fresh the next day. Um, but look, I want to listen to another track here. So you released this one called From Z to Force to Eternity. And we're going to listen to that song right now because it's cool, man. This is From Z to Force to Eternity by Zebutom.
that was Zabutam with the track From Zeta Force to Eternity. And I'm here with Zabutam right now. We're talking about making music and stuff. You talked about how in the demo scene there's people who are there not necessarily because of their love of games. It's, you know, it's more like just the music itself. Yeah, or like the creative aspects and doing art or coding for you though i mean how how connected are those things like do you like playing retro games is that something like you do now or sometimes i get into playing these arcade shmups like shoot em ups 2d uh, my favorite is dodonpachi which is by cave from 98 or something which is what you call a bullet hell shoot em up yeah <laughs> so <laughs> the screen gets filled by bullets and you try to play as far as you can on one credit it's just a fun challenge i don't like shmup i gotta say that right now i know people started calling them shmups and i don't like it at all i don't like that word <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. No, I have nothing against the genre. It's just like... I don't know if I like it or if I just like to torture myself. <laughs> oh, like with those kind of games? Yeah. I can't do them. Like, I remember playing R-Type, which I enjoyed because it was a little bit more reasonable. But uh, some of the newer ones that pride themselves on like, look how much crazy stuff is going on the screen. I almost feel like an old man. Yeah. It's the same when I try and play even games like uh, Smash Brothers. You know, people love Smash Brothers. And whenever I play it, it's like there's just too much happening on the screen. I'm like, nope, I can't do it. Yeah. Like, it's just... It's, it's too Japanese. <laughs> it's like there's too much this fucking things flying around and characters shooting at the screen and things screaming and explosions and yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like with video games, I feel like much of the reason why I still play sometimes is mostly nostalgia, I think. Mm -hmm. Like the idea of playing is more fun than actually playing it. <laughs> like the idea of uh, having fun playing video games. I don't know. Sometimes when you're with friends and playing, you do have a great time playing. Like uh, I remember playing like the Super Mario Galaxy. It's really fun. Like the new one, the newer ones. Like I still play a lot of games, but I, I'm very nostalgic for a certain time periods. So like it's it's a mix of nostalgia. And for me, uh, when I was in high school, that was like the time of the N64. So a lot of memories of mine were playing, you know, the multiplayer games on on uh, N64. And my f I still love like Mortal Kombat uh, in the arcade. Like I and I like playing that with friends and getting like a an arcade stick. But I, it's right, like what you just said. It's funny because for me, I do play retro games, but a lot of it is the nostalgia. And sometimes I just want to hear the music again. Like, sometimes it's about the whole experience. Yeah. And I just think, do I really need to play Castlevania? Or do I really just need to hear that song? <laughs> is that really, like, what my brain wants? And and I feel like it's all part of the same package. And so it's like, okay, I'm going to play through Donkey Kong so I can get to the level where you're in the water and listen to, like, aquatic ambience. Yeah. But then it's like, do I really need to play the underwater level? Or do I just need to listen to aquatic ambience? And maybe that's what I really need to do, is just listen. Yeah. So then... So then what so you don't actually play that much like is it mostly just you making the tunes like what do you do for fun over there you're in sweden right yeah i'm in sweden i mostly make music on my free time that's what i do <laughs> and i used to make a living of making music also did some commercials and worked as a live sound engineer different stuff played in cover bands but it was a bit tough so now I have like a real proper job. So when you were doing music for higher stuff, I mean, that wasn't chiptune though, was it? Like if you're doing music and commercials and things. No, no. I mostly just got some description of, uh, oh, so we want something that sounds like this lounge house music with these types of sounds. And I would just do it and they would say, oh, that's great. But could you um, make it a bit slower? We'd do some adjustments and then... Uh, 
they would pay you good money. <laughs> so were you comfortable doing stuff like in, in other genres that way? Yeah, I think it's fun. I mean, I think it's very like satisfying just to get to use your skills and do stuff. <laughs> like, just how do I put this? No, it, it makes what you said makes sense. It's just funny because it's a very simple and elegant statement. It's funny and up until a certain point. I mean, it would be difficult for me to imagine doing those sort of assignments every day for years and years. It would maybe become a bit tiresome. Yeah. To not have your own creative outlet on in the same way I have with my own music. I yeah, yeah, yeah. Do whatever I want. And if I feel like, say, I'm making like an 80s vibe song and suddenly um, I feel like it wants to go in a different direction. Like, what if I put some drum and bass loops in here? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's the way I like to work, just to follow my own intuition about what the song wants to be, as opposed to someone telling me, now you're supposed to make an album like this or a song like this in a style like this which can also be a bit problematic since it's difficult to know like what is an album or what is just like the way i write is very scattered for example Cedar force what took 10 years to complete since the songs were written like wrote the first one in 2001 i think then i wrote a few more in 2003 and 4 and and so on until 2011 where i wrote the final track of cedar force called uh, final blast i had been trying to make it into an album for a couple of years before i finally figured out how to do it <laughs> like because i didn't want to release the ship tunes i had made in the raw form because it wouldn't really be that great of a listening experience so I wanted to make it sound like more like a real record. So your point was like you were always making music, but you needed that sort of unifying thing that said, you know, this album has a specific vibe. Because yeah. you, you also play around with different um, song styles and tempos and things. And so, yeah. you know, you have a lot of songs that have very different vibes. And so well, that was just the issue was just like, this doesn't sound like a cohesive album to me. And so I'll just wait until I have enough tracks that justify the theme. Yes, sort of like that. I'm... I would hate to just do songs that are fillers on an album. But in the case of Cedar Force, it was just mostly uh, perfectionism. <laughs> yeah. In retrospect, it was worth the wait. But I, I do want to speed up the tempo of releasing stuff because uh, I want to get my music out there in like a form that people can understand. Of course, I make stuff all the time which I send to friends well it sounds like you're doing that on your SoundCloud right like there seem to be some yeah I'm putting some stuff out there more contemporary stuff which isn't really ship tune anymore it's not like a left ship tune but I'm trying just to expand my scope well how about this we can probably wrap this up but I will I, we're gonna listen to another track and then maybe we can like wind down so this was from uh, Redux 34 this album you started there's a lot more sounds incorporated in this one and uh, and had a cool sound sound to it and we're going to listen to the the titular Redux 34 track cuz it's uh cool
All right, and that was Redux 34 by Zabutom. And I'm here with Zabutom right now, Nick Lass. So, so what's going on with this album, man? Because you started incorporating lots more sort of sounds in this. Well, this album, you could say it's maybe a culmination of my live sets that were performed on Game Boys because most of the songs are made on Game Boys. You have some that are made with some other software and whatever, but mostly on Game Boys using the LSDJ software. And I wanted to make a record that was composed on Game Boys, but produced in a studio if that makes sense. Right, <laughs> so yeah. it has a lot of overdubs. Like on the Redux 34 track, I have like piano, guitars and reverb effects. And I feel like maybe this last track we just heard is a bit overproduced because I spent way, way, way too much time um, trying to complete that one track. Sometimes you can overwork things. Yeah. <laughs> eventually it turned out fine but trying to learn my lessons yeah yeah <laughs> well man listen we can probably uh wind down here but is there anything you want to talk about that we didn't uh, talk about you have other guests that are from the demo scene no Mo- like most of the people i've had on are mostly from synthwave and sort of the yeah few things sort of surrounding so you're like my first like main chip tune chip tune guest <laughs> that's cool but i'm hoping to do some more this is going to be part of a series yeah. so i know i think i'm going to do one with uh, uh zalza and uh, and i've reached out to uh, to a few others as well to see because i don't know i don't know if there's really a, a venue where those people could um talk about their music in this way not really we have some podcast like the dj Cutman. Right. But it's mostly just like a, a mix. He listens to most of the stuff getting put out. But I think he's moving towards other genres now. So what's what's the future hold for you, man? What's coming up in the world of uh, Zabutam? Right now I'm preparing to do a live set at a demo party in Germany in the end of August. 17th of August in Cologne. Ooh. Demo party called Evoke which I've never been there and it's going to be exciting and I will be using um, a couple of Electrom boxes with completely new music. Ooh, well that's exciting. Do you have any other like gear you want to ask Yule Thompson for that he can deliver at Christmas time? <laughs> Whenever I talk to Swedish people, I like to bring up Yule Thompson because that word makes me laugh <laughs> every time I say it. <laughs> when I first found out about Yule Thompson, man, I, I love that word so much. If he would bring me like a, a bookla system, I would be happy. Or maybe a Nord uh, Modular G2 engine <laughs> with the expansions. Well, look, man, it was good to meet you. Yeah, nice to be on the show. Thanks for inviting me. It's cool. So I'm, I'm learning some stuff. So I'm going to take, you know, what I've learned here and I will uh, I'll ask questions different questions to the uh, you know the other chiptune artists I have on and I can be like well you know Zabutam <laughs> said to me about the fucking demo scene and crack tros or whatever or whatever the fuck they it's crack tros right is that what they call like the yeah crack tros yeah. <laughs> installers was later crack tros was back in the days so it's good it, the, the important thing is like uh, I want to make sure that I'm learning some stuff yeah you're doing good man hopefully it's useful for people so it's funny because you say that about you know with DJ Cutman that maybe like that show is sort of moving into that direction I think now I will start moving more into <laughs> these other you know these other places because obviously I've done like over 150 episodes of this with like synthwave stuff and, and I, I do love lots of different types of electronic music and so it's important for me to, to pull in from uh, from other areas especially when it's stuff that I like and just never thought to to really explore too much so yeah I have this tag I put on my Instagram post ship post ship yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to make it into a thing maybe <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I'll hashtag this show post chip. Yeah. So cool. post chip is the future chip music. Is that correct? Yeah. All right. Well, that's good to know. I'll start using it. What defines post chip to you? For me, it's like someone who comes from a ship tune background, but is looking towards new horizons. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I dig it. Post chip, man. It's the fucking wave of the future. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Well, look, it was good talking to you and uh, keep on making cool music and we'll uh, we'll uh, listen to the stuff you come out with and yeah, cool. place them on the show and do all that stuff. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, and that was my conversation with Zabutom. I hope you all enjoyed the show and we're going to do another one, probably maybe not... Maybe in like two weeks or three weeks, we'll do another chiptune show. And then you guys let me know. Because, I mean, I can always just incorporate more chiptune music into the actual music lineup. Or if you like it, what I did today, where I just do an episode that's all chiptune. All right, you can always message me and tell me if you dug it or what you liked and didn't like. And I will, well, if you tell me what you didn't like, I'll block you. I'm very sensitive and cannot take negative criticism. Yeah, that's it. So thanks for tuning to the show. I hope you guys have a lovely weekend. Do good things and keep on being cool. And then tune in next time to Beyond Synth, the best synthwave chat show there is. Or is it the best chiptune chat show there is? I don't know. Is there other chiptune chat shows? Well, I guess it's off to do some more research. Have a lovely weekend, everyone. Thanks for Thanks for listening to Beyond Synth. If you would like to support Beyond Synth, please visit patreon.com forward slash beyond synth. And don't forget to check out Beyond Synth on Facebook, Twitter, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Instagram. If you want to submit your music for the show, please email it to beyondsynth at gmail.com. Have a lovely day.